Hi, this is Steve. In 1982, a young director went to bed in a hotel room in Rome and dreamt of the ultimate killing machine. Grown in a lab, living tissue over metal endoskeleton, it shows no love, no mercy, and it absolutely will not stop until you are dead. Two years later, The Terminator premiered on the big screen, launching not only one of the most important franchises in movie history, but also the career of one of the most successful directors of all time. This Friday on The Cinephiles, John and I are joined by our good friend, actor Shannon McClung, to discuss this iconic movie. Shannon brings a unique perspective to the film, as he'll explain on the podcast. As always, you can buy The Terminator and any other movie we've reviewed on our website at cinephiles.net. That's C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S dot net. So, that's James Cameron's The Terminator, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, this Friday on The Cinephiles. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait. There's a bench over there. I'll be back. Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello, everyone. My name is John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, host, producer, writer, blah, 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 blah. All Your these titles things. are so yeah, boring. Yeah, so goddamn boring. <laughs> uh, and it's always changing, and you never know what my next title is going to be. But uh, yeah, I, and, and I love co-hosting this show. Okay. There we go. <laughs> and today we have a very special guest, one we've been talking about having on the show for a long time. I know. We've been trying to make this happen. And Steve, you proposed this, actually. Who can we bring on to do this movie and its sequel? And I think it occurred to both of us at the same time. Oh, yeah. Someone who actually played John Connor for years at Universal Studios <laughs> in across the country. You would say across the country. Uh, our really good friend, uh, actor extraordinaire, and now writer of numerous episodes, um, Shannon McClung. Hey, thanks, Shannon, man. Welcome, welcome to the Files. You know what I was thinking, uh, too, and, and those of you out there, yeah. I feel like Shannon is rapidly becoming one of those faces on TV Yeah, that you go, oh, I know that guy. Oh, Where do great. I know that guy from? Yeah, tell, me, tell me more about that. Yeah, yeah. You've, he's well, been in off, he's been uh, Silicon Valley. You Modern Family. Modern Family. He uh, just did the or- an episode of the Orville as one of the aliens. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents mm-hmm. of S.H.I.E.L.D., Well, yes. Orville, they're not going to recognize him at all. Oh, yeah. if you know Shannon's mannerisms, you spot him a mile away, no matter what makeup he's wearing. <laughs> How long did it take to get that makeup on you? It took about two hours. Wow. It took uh. about two hours, and it took about 45 minutes to get off. But the thing that Steve... Well, you're both correct, because if, if you notice my mannerisms like John did, because we've been friends for years, yeah. you can immediately pick me out. But if you don't realize what my mannerisms are, I was under... a pound of makeup and also my face was behind a visual effect yes so i was as obscured as as one could be in the second episode the se- yeah the second, second episode. episode of the orville yeah. yeah so he books all the time shane yeah. he books all the time he's a hustler and a, and a player in the acting game and a fine actor yes yeah very oh, good thanks, um and uh, as you said, the movie we're going to talk about today is The Terminator. Terminator! Yeah, the original 1984 James Cameron, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, Terminator. Yeah. 
Uh, so Shannon, do you remember how you first came to this film? I absolutely do. Uh, so I grew up in a very conservative household. You know, we went to church every Sunday. <laughs> My parents did not drink, and we did not watch R-rated movies in our house. Of course not. But we had some family friends that I played Little League with their youngest son, and they would often have me over to spend the night, and, you know, we were big Star Wars fans. And they, one weekend, were like, hey, you should come over and watch The Terminator. And this would have been like 1985 or 1986. Wow. And I was like, oh, what's, ter- what's, what's Terminator? Like, oh, it's like Star Wars. So... <laughs> Sure. <laughs> so my parents said, yeah, go, go spend the night, go have fun. So we started watching The Terminator, and I probably didn't get six minutes in. Um, because first they said it was rated R. And I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to do how, this. How old were you? How old were you? I was seven or six or seven. Oh, or wow. Eight. Yeah. We're showing you The Terminator seven years old. That yeah. has nothing to do with like conservative household. That's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's like don't logic. show a seven-year-old The Terminator. <laughs> so I see some of those scenes, like the treads going over the skulls. And, and I see laser fire, and I'm like... I guess it looks like Star Wars, but it doesn't <laughs> feel like it. And then they get to the first scene with Arnold and the punks, and uh, that scene made me burst into tears. Oh. I didn't want to say why, I, but I was scared. And, yeah. and, I, and I made the hates call my, my parents to come and pick me up. And mom and dad wow. were like, well, what, what happened? Why were you scared? And I didn't want to say it was because I was watching an R-rated movie because I knew I'd get in trouble. And I was like, oh, I just got scared. So I didn't watch it again Probably for another 10 years. Wow. Yeah. After the second one came out. Wow. And what did you think when you saw it finally? Well, I was like, oh boy, this is the 80s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is very much the 80s. And coming off the high of the second one, I was like, very oh, different. it's yeah. a very different movie. But it still, it still holds up. I mean, I watched it very recently. I was like, this is still, it, it's very much of its time. Yeah. But it's still a good movie. Yeah. How about you? Uh, high school. Same thing. Around 17, I rented it on VHS. Uh, or beta, whatever was available at the video world at the time in Virginia, and watched it because it was Schwarzenegger. I was such a fan of Schwarzenegger. I was becoming a massive fan of Schwarzenegger, and I'd kind of done it ass-backwards because I didn't go to his first pumping iron. I didn't know any of these films, but this film I had to see because I enjoyed Conan. And I remember seeing Conan, and I was like, oh, my God. It just put the hook in me. And so I rented the movie and watched it, and I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. And him, like you just – it's no matter how many times you see the I'll be back or make fun of it or whatever – it still resonates how intelligent Cameron was to have that moment in the movie and really put the camera exactly where it's supposed to be right. and have Schwarzenegger act that line out so perfectly. So for me, it's a film that always stood with me. Plus, I thought Linda Hamilton was actually quite pretty in the film, and sure. uh, and I always was, was a, and I became a massive fan of Michael Bean through this movie yeah. and Aliens and uh, at the Abyss. So yeah. like I, I always championed Michael Bean. Wherever he's at, because I thought you got a short end of the stick. Totally agree. He we, when we Karen and I watched it a few nights ago, and she the whole time we're going like, "Wow, he is so great." Yeah. Why is he not did not become the movie star? Yeah. That he should have been. Um, my story is very much the same. I definitely didn't see it in the theater, mm-hmm. and loved Conan. I had seen Pumping Iron, and so it was that you know in that era where. Yeah, I didn't have that much of a social life, so I rent, <laughs> went and rented movies all the time. That's right. And I rented, you know, rented it, and I think I probably watched it by myself in the house and just went, oh, my God. There's not a lot of school quarterbacks that are cinephiles. Yeah. Their yeah. cinephiles are born from that feeling of being excommunicated by the cool kids. <laughs> that's, I think that's, <laughs> we that had theory has some, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and it's funny, something that, that you brought up and something that I think this film in particular, more than any other I can think of, is one where people frequently 
maybe the majority of people saw the second one first. Oh, really? Because the side, oh, wow. the, the the second one was a monster, yes. ginormous, huge mainstream hit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first one was very successful and became more successful on you know VHS and home right. video. But the but a lot of people, I think, saw the second one first. And so when you go backwards from a huge budget, big Hollywood movie to this, which is basically an independent film, mm-hmm. like that's a weird and, and and very different in terms, obviously, of Arnold's character. Mm-hmm. That's a weird transition you yeah. know well yeah because in 91 at that point arnold schwarzenegger was one of the biggest movie stars oh, yeah. in yeah. the world whereas yeah. 84 he was still he was still on the rise he was on the ascendancy absolutely yeah he wasn't because he and this is what's interesting when you rewatch the films i rewatched, rewatched it for the podcast i'd forgotten that he got top billing yeah i thought it was linda hamilton who got top billing then michael bean then schwarzenegger mm-hmm. but he got top billing so it was he's, really surprising he's still the star Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about pre-production. So the idea comes to James Cameron. He's like through a dream in Rome, and he just has this of image of this of this <laughs> guy, of this this sort of half-destroyed robot crawling after somebody, and that starts the idea of the Terminator. And and it was one of the things he was inspired by was John Carpenter's Halloween. That makes sense. Yeah. And, and, and you could really see the John Carpenter influence. <sighs> like you could see Escape from New York. You can see Halloween. You can see those things influencing this film absolutely which i'd never thought about before right um uh and the other one is road warrior is mad max 2 road warrior Ooh, you know why wasn't that brought up in the patreon discussion that certainly <laughs> belongs in the discussion road warrior is that's the film that you know how nerds can quote holy grail oh, from sure. beginning to end i can quote road warrior from beginning to end there's that film has is well, it's not a lot of me. lines so that's you why don't have a lot of work yeah. And, and so, by the way, brain power, what, yeah. what John is referring to is that if you were a Patreon Hey-o. member, you would hear us, uh, the three of us, discussing what sequel we would bring onto a desert island. Yeah. So, if you want to become a Patreon member and hear this discussion, go to patreon.com slash the cinephiles. <laughs> Nailed it. Get the ad in anywhere you can. That's right. That's right. Um, so, he has this idea. Uh, he sold the rights to Gail Ann Hurd, who's the producer on this, for mm-hmm. $1. Wow. With the agreement that he would direct. Um, and that's how that's how determined James Cameron was. Mm-hmm. Uh, he sold his script for one dollar as long as he could direct. Wow! Yeah, that's a lot of it um, is. And Gail Ann is still producing. Yeah, she does yeah. Agents of Shield and Walk, stuff. Uh, Walking Dead. Walking Dead. And, yeah. And, and here's what's interesting that I found out in his original conception, the Terminator was someone who looked just like anybody, so they could disappear into a crowd. Mm. They were just a normal person. That was the original conception. And when they went to pitch it to the studio, the money people, he had his buddy Lance Henriksen, because they're good friends, oh, nice. dress up as the Terminator and come in. And my understanding is he just, in the meeting, stood and glowered <laughs> at, the, at the executives trying to scare them. And they bought it. They put up $4 million to make the movie. Holy crap. Yeah. yeah. Well. Um, which is, you know, it's a fairly small budget. And they're trying to figure out who are we going to get to be in the film. Uh, and they're looking. And Arnold has just come off of conan yeah and he's this up and coming by guy and they say well let's maybe get arnold but they wanted arnold to play reese wow Mm -hmm. yeah um so you knew this already i didn't didn't know this yeah they wanted him to play reese and and cameron hates the idea because he goes well if i have arnold playing reese i I would have to have a giant for the terminator Mm -hmm. and here are some of the people the studio is suggesting for the terminator sylvester stallone of course um mel gibson makes sense oj simpson oh OJ Simpson was the one they really wanted. Mm. 
that's uncomfortable. Yeah. And do you know what Cameron said when they suggested O.J. Simpson? No, I haven't heard this. He said, I don't believe him as a killer. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's terrible. Oh, my God. Well, okay. it's not the first time he's been wrong. Yeah. Um, so, in some of his statements. Yeah. So, 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 so Cameron goes to have this meeting with Arnold, and he's thinking, okay, I can't have this guy play Reese. I'm going to just get into a big argument with him at lunch. And that way, we then have to go back to the people and say, that's why I can't cast him. And Arnold reads the script, and all he can think about is he's reading the script is the Terminator. Yeah. He's like, well, I don't understand why I would play Reese. And they go and have the meeting, and it seems like, you know, this is a match made in heaven. Immediately hit it off. By the end of the lunch, uh, Cameron, who's a great artist, is sketching Arnold as the Terminator, yeah. and that becomes the look for the Terminator. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's Isn't that amazing. cool? That's great. And then what happened, they were about to shoot, and Dino De Laurentiis, who had the deal with Arnold for Conan, says, no, I'm going to take Arnold away for nine months. And suddenly they had to delay the shoot for nine months, which gave Cameron time to retool the script a little. Mm. And also, this one I didn't know, is that he was then hired to write for Rambo 2. Yes. So he wrote. that's when he wrote that, and mm. that's when he started developing Aliens, which is something we talked about in our Aliens yeah, podcast, yeah. that this Arnold going away for nine months is why we have James Cameron directing Aliens. Wow. Yeah. Um, and, and the deal with Aliens was, I'm going to write the script, and I'm making this other Terminator movie, and if it does well, I want you... You should let me direct Aliens. And they're like, yeah, sure, kid. Like, we're going to let you direct this big movie. And then Terminator is such a big hit that that's why he gets to do Aliens. That's great. Yeah. Um, should we get in the movie? Yeah. All right. One thing I thought about when I was watching this is Orion comes up. And for whatever reason, that always meant good movies to me. Yeah. I just had this association that Orion was good. And then we go immediately into uh, Los Angeles 2029. Which is frighteningly the, close. Is to that us. that far away? No, we're <laughs> yeah. pretty close to it now. Yeah, and we get those uh, uh, tank tracks going over the skulls. Mm -hmm. What a great opening for a movie, right? Terrified yeah. me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> terrified seven-year-old me. So don't take your seven-year-old to see this moment. Um, and this is, of course, all done with miniatures because this is long before CG. Those skulls are about uh, an inch, an inch to two inches big. Wow. There's brilliant use of miniatures. So they'll do things like have a full-size skull in the foreground so that we have forced perspective so they look farther away and you have these little tiny skulls. And they had to build this all sort of stack. So they, they, they built the tracks. Um, and then as they had to do shots with higher up, then they built the next level and then they built the next level. And each one, that's all they could do. Wow. I mean, this is a low-budget movie. And they did some really... We're going to get into some things where the special effects are sure. not so good. Sure. But I think this opening is really done well. It is close to well. <laughs> Until that thing flies in, and you can tell it's on a string, yeah. Because it goes, because <laughs> it like it does these awkward pauses that no thing, no thing flying that way would ever do. And so, <laughs> yeah, those are the things. Watching now, as you're older, you're like, oh, well, damn. But it doesn't take away the effect of the film at all. You, 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 you like Shannon said, it's of its time. Well, we have to have some indulgence, you know, sure, when we watch course. older movies sometimes. Yeah. And uh, then we get this. Uh, this text come up that tells us about the machines that mm -hmm. take over the world, but the real battle will be fought tonight. That's a the really, final battle. The final battle. Because we didn't think it was going to be seven sequels or six sequels. Fuck many sequels there are. He was just like, no, 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 no. The final battle. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's knew? when we hear the... Ba -bum, bum, ba -bum. Yeah. Ba -bum, bum, ba -bum. I love that theme. That score is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, the, the composer who is... Uh, what's his name? It's Brad Fidel, yeah. I believe. Oh. Well done. Boop, boop. <laughs> the, the composer who's Brad Fidel. Someone's been playing the movie uh, too. He, what he described that theme as is a robot's heartbeat. 
That it's the, the heartbeat of the Terminator. Dun, 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 dun. I would argue it's one of the ten most iconic scores like ever, or at least theme songs ever. I would agree with you. You would there. pick it out in a minute. Yeah. I, I don't Sex think it's it. at the, the score. I'm not saying the score is at this right. level, but I think it's doing a very similar thing to the Jaws score. Yes. Which is just like that piece of music, dun, 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 yeah. is the Terminator. Yeah. You know, you feel his presence every time you hear that music. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then we get to today, and there's a big garbage truck, and there's crazy lightning, and there's a ball of white energy, and there is Arnold. Yeah. That is a great entrance of a character. That's a big dude. Gigantic Arnold. Yeah. Right? A slab of concrete. Yeah. Poor, poor black guy running the trash compactor. What's going on here? Oh, he runs off, and there's Arnold is huge Austrian oak getting out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I'd forgotten how big he was. You know, you sometimes no, forget. huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and little details like the fact that the white, the ball of white light cut out a ball of a, a round surface within the within the concrete. Mm-hmm. Like just little th- that's glowing. Mm-hmm. That's just cool. Well, let's let you know that Cameron is this is the beginning of a master filmmaker understanding yeah. the tiny details that you'll catch on a third or fourth viewing are what make the great ones, yeah. Yeah. you know. Yeah, he, he goes up to Griffith Park Observatory, which is apparently right nearby, mm-hmm. and he runs into our good friend Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton! <laughs> yeah. Nice night for a walk, eh? Nice night for a walk. Wash day tomorrow. Nothing clean, right? <laughs> Nothing clean, right. And he's just repeating in that Arnold voice, mm-hmm. and somewhat mechanical, and you know that something bad's going to happen to those guys. They, they try to stab him. He just wipes him out. Possibly, does he rip that guy's heart out? He rips the guy's yeah. heart out. Takes it out. Yeah. And fortunately, one of them is wearing a very oversized jacket that fits Arnold just right. <laughs> and then, so, and that, again, this is a great opening to a movie. And something we've talked about a lot on the Cinephiles is a lot of ways all movies are mysteries mm-hmm. because you're watching this going, what's happening? Who's right. this person? What's going on? And then we cut to an alleyway and we see another ball of lightning and white light and there's another naked person (laughs) a few sizes smaller (laughs) and his reaction to coming through whatever the hell this was is really different he's hurting he's breathing heavily and there we have michael bean yeah and which originally in one of the one of the earlier drafts cameron had two resistance fighters coming back oh really yeah michael bean was not the only one there was a second one and this sort of changed the science of the time travel but the second one was going to uh, be part of like a uh, like a fire escape. Yeah. Like he 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 sort of teleports right into a fire escape, and because of the science changing, like you know, basically eviscerating anything that's in that orb, that's why they took it out. Oh. It's because oh that that wouldn't make sense anymore, and plus we need to get straight to this guy. Like right. this this guy's our hero. Well, I think immediately we're shown a dominant and a submissive situation because Arnold is not dropped to the ground. Arnold appears mm, and comes walks up. Bean is dropped, yeah. which is why he's injured and kind of like struggling and trying to figure it out and kind of discombobulated because he's a human being. Right. Therefore, he wouldn't land in the same way that a steel mechanized android or whatever that thing is, Terminator, would. Well, and this is one of our jobs as a, as a filmmaker is that, in general, you want to make your enemies powerful yes. and you want to make your heroes uh, disadvantaged. Mm-hmm. And we're doing that right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He steals some homeless guy's pants. The cops are immediately after him. And we get a great sort of early chasing. Yeah. It's rabbiting. Hey! I said hold it! Oh. To a department store. Yeah. Right, goes up a fire escape or, or breaks into a department store. 
finds himself some shoes. I love that he just sort of <laughs> holds them up to his feet, and they're and they're like Nikes of with course. Velcro on them. Got to get that. Got to get that branding in. I got to. But like in 1984, you saw shoes with Velcro. That was like space age. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> and, and right from the beginning, we see that this guy is smart and resourceful. We don't know who he is or what he's here for. Um, he heads out the fire escape. He steals a shotgun. He hides it under his coat and he walks away. Mm-hmm. And he looks kind of dirty and and odd and uh he goes to a phone booth pulls out a phone book and looks at the name sarah connor Mm -hmm. and then we cut to linda hamilton on a scooter and and this is a great filmmaking cut because you go that's sarah connor right you know it instantly oh that's who we're talking about right yeah on a scooter the scooters were cool in the 80s man i guess so (laughs) i didn't remember i didn't remember that but i guess so (laughs) oof Arnold arrives in uh, kind of some suburban place, punches through the wind sh- the, the 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 driver's side uh, window of a station wagon, yeah. and rips the column off the steering wheel and hot wires the car and drives off. So here's the thing about that: <laughs> this was not a big budget movie. This is a really an indie film. They had run out of money and didn't have permits, and that's Gorilla. So, <laughs> so, so they are literally. It's like a crew of four or five people at that point, and and Cameron and and like the DP and two other people are hiding, and they say, "Okay, Arnold." I mean, they own the car. Oh, okay. They didn't steal it. Act- <laughs> Was it really glass? glass. Uh, it is really glass. He just told Arnold punch through the glass. Holy crap! And Arnold did. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And while looking for the cops the whole time, you directors. <laughs> I swear to God, you directors. <laughs> wow. Got to get the shot. Gotta yeah. get the shot, man. Yeah, I guess. I thought it was like that cherry glass because it even shatters like on his shoulder when he shuts the door. My understanding, and I'm not 100% sure, but it seems like they said that was just real glass. Okay. I mean, it, Arnold's a strong guy. He is. Well, but, and something that I noticed while watching it recently is the when he shuts the door, yeah. the, the glass hits him, yeah. he does not flinch. Right. Because a machine would not flinch. Right, exactly. Well, Arnold's physical performance throughout this movie is great. Yeah. They, he, he moves in this mechanical kind of fascinating way i have questions for later but yes he does yeah uh we're at a restaurant we see sarah connor she puts in her time card yeah she's waiting on tables first of all she's a little overwhelmed a lot of customers second maybe she's not the best waitress <laughs> <laughs> well and then this is so brilliantly done how could you believe that this would be the mother of the freedom fighter that would save the world right like you said steve you want to present her in a way that's as underdog as possible right right she's she rides a scooter to work she changed that thing up just an ordinary person just an ordinary person but she gets abused by her guests Mm -hmm. uh, by the people who she's serving little kid puts an ice cream yeah exactly that kind of stuff and then she says her friend goes what she say? Look at it this way: you're not gonna, you're not gonna care about it in a hundred years or something like that. You're not gonna be here in a hundred years, years. Who's gonna care? It's so interesting, yeah. right? It's a, it's that little foreshadowing in yeah. the script. And there's a great eighty-yard line after the kid puts the scoop of ice cream mm. in it, <laughs> where you hear this good going kid. Maybe we should give you the tip. Oh, like, Jesus. What assholes! Yeah, you're right. Horrible, <laughs> horrible people. ADR work. Yeah. Have you, have you ever been a waiter? Uh, no, I bust tables. Have you, you? Fuck, three, three of the worst months of my life. Yeah, it's brutal. I would never do it again. I don't care what job. I, I'd never yeah. wait again. Yeah, people, people when they want their food are not nice. People when they want anything are not nice, yeah. and certainly in the food industry, even more so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we end up at a gun store. Arnold's picking out some weapons. Oh, this is such a great scene. <laughs> I fucking love this scene. <laughs> the 12-gauge autoloader. That's Italian. 
no pump or auto. The 45 long slide with laser sighting. He like knows exactly what every weapon by name. And the guy's like super impressed by him. No clue this dude's going to shoot him or anything like that. They just think, oh, you know your guns. Oh, you know your rifles. Despite the fact that Arnold has, looks the way he looks. He got a trench coat with a chain attached to it. (laughs) Maybe you don't give that guy all the guns. Yeah, all the guns, right? I, I, I never, having never bought a gun, oh. like it just seems so strange to me that you can walk in and there are bullets sitting right there. And of right. course, after he asked for the phased plasma rifle or whatever it is, which is like <laughs> just what you see, pal, he just starts loading up that shotgun. Yep. And there's just a real quick moment where the guy goes, You can't do that. And bang. Boom. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're clear that Arnold is not a good person. No. <laughs> and we do a nice parallel where we see Arnold getting all his weapons and then we cut to Michael Bean. Sawing off that end of that shotgun. Yep. Yeah. So we know something's happening with these two. Yeah. Because um, I'm sort of fascinated by what was this like to see it in 1984 when you didn't mm-hmm. know anything? Because mm-hmm. we didn't know that Sarah Connor is the future mother of no. the leader of the world. Mm-hmm. We don't know that who's a good guy and who's a bad guy. I mean, we right. know that pretty much that Arnold's a bad guy. Yeah. Because we've seen him kill a bunch of people. But we don't know who Michael Bean's character is. Right. We don't know what's going on. And one of the punks stabs Arnold, don't they? They with, do. One, with yeah, one of the switchblades. And, yeah. and he doesn't react yeah. at all. Yeah. So we know some, something's going on. Also done gorilla. By the way, they really stabbed him because <laughs> he's Arnold. Didn't flinch at the glass. Didn't yeah. flinch at being no. uh, impaled with means, the switchblade. It means nothing to him. He's an Austrian oak. When they were it. pumping iron, it actually meant into his body. <laughs> into his body, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Deleted scene. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Arnold also gets a phone book and is looking at the name Sarah Connor, so we know that she's important. Um, and then we get this moment of the... Station wagon pulling in and crushing a truck, which yeah. I think is just great little foreshadowing, little details. Yeah. Dogs are barking. That's another really important detail. He knocks on this door. This woman answers. He asks if it's Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor? Yes. And the slow-mo shot of her coming in, of Arnold coming into the room, mm-hmm. is great. And scary. Yeah. Terror. Terrorized. Yeah. Terror. Um, and that, that gun coming up with laser sight. Apparently, laser sights were not commercially available when this movie was made. What? Yeah, this was like a new wow. thing. Yeah, yeah, that was, a, that was a big deal. And any time that laser sight, I, I, I don't know if it's two or three, because it hits Sarah Connor later. Any time you see that laser yeah. sight, the person goes into just, they freeze. Like, they can't move at all. It certainly happens in this movie. Yeah. With, with uh, Linda Hamilton later in the club, yeah. I, I freeze every time someone puts a laser sight on. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> um, and back at the restaurant, Sarah's friend drags her into the room, and there's the news thing saying, uh, a broadcasting about the fact that Sarah Connor is dead. It was a really fast news report, I have to say. Really fast. Yeah. I mean, there are some holes in this damn movie, but you accept it because it's so good. But yeah, like, literally, she died five minutes ago, and there's already a full-fledged report and uh, her name and everything. The breaking, breaking news, a housewife dies <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the afternoon. Is that really breaking news? Local news was a lot faster. I guess so. Well, this is like one of those William Goldman rules of that. The reason we do it this way is because you don't want to watch like a whole news program until you finally get to the story (laughs) that directly relates to you. If the news comes on, it has something directly related to you. (laughs) (laughs) That's how movies work. And Sarah's friend is pretty callous about the fact that someone has just been killed. She said like, you're dead, baby, or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kyle hotwires a car. And what's weird to me is he hotwires a car. And they just sits in it. Yeah. Again, when I hotwire a car, I would then leave right. and go somewhere else. With said car. Yeah. Yes. 
Uh, and we go into not a flashback, but a flash forward into Kyle in this war zone. Uh, and uh, Ooh, that's a good debatable... I mean, it is a flashback for him. It's a flashback for him, right. But it's a flash forward for where he's at right now. In terms of the space-time continuum. Yeah, this will. Now we're, <laughs> now we're getting deep. By the way, you can have whole discussions about um, Star Trek versus Back to the Future versus Terminator time travel rules. Oh. <laughs> we are not having that conversation. No, we can't. that's a Patreon conversation. That's yeah. an hour-long Patreon conversation. Yeah. Uh, my head just spins too much. <laughs> we see some more details. And again, you see like... They're making a lot out of very low budget. You know, there's the whole background way in the distance. It's all just cutouts, lots of forced perspective. Oh, wow. The grenades that they throw under the tracks. Mm -hmm. So when they have them in their hand, they're like two feet big. The ones under the track, those are one inch long. <laughs> you know? Um, and he's rocking a great 80s headband. He really is. Oh, in the, the future. <laughs> yeah. And that poor uh, female fighter with him blows up. She blows up. Um, and he starts to burn in the, in this car crash. That's right. And then that's that. That's what wakes him up. And there's a nice thing of seeing these big machines, like the garbage truck at the beginning, or at a construction site here, mm -hmm. and the parallels with that and the future world. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we're back. So we're at the apartment of uh, Sarah Connor. She and her roommate are getting ready for a hot date. Her roommate apparently is obsessed with her Sony Walkman. I mean, seriously. <laughs> cannot take that thing off. I don't know what LA girls were like back then, but I suppose that's believable. Listen, we didn't have iPhones. I, you know. I remember my first Walkman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a really exciting thing. <laughs> Those orange foam ear phones. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Uh, the phone rings, Sarah answers it, but someone talks very inappropriately to her, and it's her roommate's boyfriend. We get a little joke there. Yeah, it's Slider from Top Gun. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, Rick Rosovich. Yeah. yeah. He's also, and is he also um, in um, Roxanne with Steve Martin? That is him. Yeah, yeah. he's the Christian character, yes, he right? Is. Yeah. Yes, he is. Yeah. I like Roxanne. I haven't seen it in a really long time. Such a good version of Cyrano de Bergerac. Is it, does it hold up? I haven't Absolutely. seen it in at I saw least a decade. I saw it like maybe six months ago on... Lifetime or one of the channels, and I just was like mesmerized at how funny it still is. It's to me, it's like my favorite Steve Martin performance in terms of it always was for me vulnerability and humor. Like yeah. it's just so perfect, you know. Because every other other thing he does is full of that anger guy or the over the top guy, and then Roxanne, he's so charming. Yeah, yeah. So while uh, we can, Sarah and her roommate continue to kind of get ready for their big date night, we cut to the police station and meet. Lance Hendrickson and Paul Winfield. Paul Winfield. Speaking of Rat the Con. Speaking of, <laughs> and by the way, Paul Winfield gets an and Paul Winfield in yeah. the credits. That motherfucker was somebody. Yeah. You get the and, you're somebody. And 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 they're great together. Yeah. They're great. And all of their little banter and little lines and little they're just really fun. Mm -hmm. Dead girl too. Sent over from the Valley Division this afternoon. I'm sure there's a point to all of this. Look at the name, Ed. Sarah Louise. Connor, is this right? You're kidding me. The press is going to be short-stroking it all over the place. A one-day pattern killer. Ugh. I hate the weird ones. Really He's fun. always treating Lance like crap, though. Yeah. The whole time, right? Well, Lance yeah. is kind of a jerk, too. Yeah, well. <laughs> As we get later on, he is not the most sensitive of guys. No, he is. Lance Hendrickson. <laughs> By the way, I love that the 80s always had black police chiefs. No matter what movie you were watching, it's always black <laughs> police chiefs. 48 Hours, Training Places, Beverly Hills Cop. It didn't matter. Black police chiefs, always. Not Beverly Hills Cop. Well, the Detroit guy. He was a black police chief. Oh, the Detroit. Right, oh, you're right. totally right. You're totally right. Yeah, yeah I, no. I offer a full retraction. Yeah, no, no, I was thinking yeah. of Ronnie Cox. No, no, no. Not yeah. Ronnie Cox. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you're, you're right. But yeah. Um, uh, 
And uh, they're hearing about not only the first Sarah Connor that got killed, but now another person named Sarah Connor has gotten killed. Right. And we've got a one-day pattern killer. Yeah. You know? Um, so, so, and of course, we, the audience, we know who the next one is. Right. It's funny. When they're getting ready, it's just like, man, that's some 80s hair. Yeah. It's a lot of <laughs> substantial amounts of hair. It's a like lot a, of white rain. Yeah. Or Aquanet. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. I miss that '80s hair. Those girls. I love the '80s hair. It's very attractive on me. It I like hasn't the big really hair. come back. No, it? it will never come back. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I, the atmosphere can't take it. No. <laughs> <laughs> I really can't. Uh, we find out that Sarah's date has canceled. <laughs> what a jerk! Yeah. Oh, uh, and you know who the voice on the answer oh, machine is? No, Ooh, James Cameron. Oh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. That makes I sense. I did not know that. Ironic, um, considering they got married. So Sarah leaves to go to a movie. Uh, we have a little jump scare. She runs into Ginger's boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, she gets on her scooter. And as she starts to leave, we hear the Terminator music. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. It's, it's just, and you just know something's coming after her. Um, and as she goes out, who follows her but Kyle? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Michael Bean. We don't know his name yet. Mm-hmm. Um and we go back to the cops. They're sort of saying they're going to use the reporters to get them to work for us. So they announce that they're looking for this third Sarah Connor mm-hmm. and what's going on. Well, yeah, because she says she's going to go see a movie by herself. Right. Mm-hmm. And they are calling her and she's not picking up the phone. That coffee's two hours cold. Mm-hmm. I put a cigarette on it. <sighs> Did you reach the next girl yet? No, I keep getting an answering machine. Send a unit. I sent a unit. There's no answer to the door and the apartment manager's not home. Call her. I just called Call her. her again. Is it because the roommate has the headphones, headphones on? on? No, no, yes, headphones on. Right. Yes. Yeah. They keep leaving uh, answering machine messages. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah. The roommate's having sex with Eric Rosovich. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, they didn't go out for too long. They ended up back in the bed so quickly. I don't think they went out at all. Uh, good point. <laughs> yeah. Put on the dress just to stay in and have sex, yeah. I guess. That's oh, look. That, what's wrong with that? Oh, the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> no one today would ever stay That's in and have ridiculous. sex. No. <laughs> insane. I didn't get dressed up for nothing. Sarah's at a restaurant, and then she hears about the second dead Sarah Connor. Yes. And now she's suddenly scared, and mm-hmm. rightly so. Um, she goes, maybe i got to call the cops. And I love, she goes to a payphone, and I love that we know, as soon as she gets to that payphone, that it's out of order. Mm. But she has to go through the whole process before she sees it. Again, right. little details of the filmmaking mm-hmm. that's really good. She goes out on the street. Kyle's following her. She spots him following her. And look, that dude looks creepy. Mm-hmm. Trench coat, dirty, hands in pockets, thin. Yeah, that you see that creepy guy following you, you don't, you don't yeah. want that at all. <laughs> um, and so she, she goes into some club and Kyle just keeps walking. Arnold is now at the apartment. This scene is so graphic, man. Yeah. He, we're, we're in Ginger, who's still listening to her Walkman. She heads off to the kitchen. The music is, it's a mistake. Yes. Um, which gets repeated over and over and over again in this song. A little minute work action. Um, uh, there's a little jump scare with the iguana. They have a pet iguana, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, and then in walks Arnold to the bedroom where Rick Rosovich is. And I love... Uh, and, and you know that is shocking. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Some giant leather-clad man just yeah. walks in where you just had sex with your girlfriend. Yeah, you're just wearing your bikini yeah. brief. And I love his line. Don't make me bust you up, man. Don't make me bust you up, man. Man. And I'm holding on to the giant lamp, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, Arnold wipes him out. Mm-hmm. 
He comes flying through the wall, and finally, it's a mistake. Ginger uh, headphone girl realizes what's going on. She gets knocked down. That red laser sight comes on her, and that's going to be it for Ginger. Well, that's it. As, as soon as Rossi gets thrown through the, the when she freaks out seeing yeah. him, starts to turn to run, and then he shoots his wife. And this really this shoots her in the back. Yeah. Right? If you're going to reaffirm an evil person. The shooting yeah. in the back thing is huge. Yeah. And then he unloads, like he gets on top and then just kind of yes. unloads, right? Yes. Yeah. Just to make sure. Arnold has a presence in this movie, man. Yeah. He just is genuinely, what he's doing is amazing. Because mm-hmm. I think this is the thing, too, is that he'd done Conan, and Conan was a success. But I think there's still the sense of like, well, come on, what can this guy really do? Exactly. You know? You have to prove yourself. And then he does this movie, and this, he really does do something mm-hmm. that's really special. Uh, so after he kills Ginger... What happens? The answering machine goes off, and it's Sarah saying where she is and mm-hmm. that she's scared. Mm-hmm. And Arnold listens, steps on the answering machine, and walks out. Um, back at the club, Sarah is talking to the cops. She's reached them, and the cops tell her, don't worry. You're in a public place. You're surrounded by tons of people. You're perfectly safe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we know that's not true. <laughs> it's not going to be true a couple more times in this movie. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Arnold enters, and I love like the bouncer goes after him, and he just grabs the guy's hand. And, and, and this is something I noticed throughout the film. We like watching Arnold kick the shit out of people yes. in this movie. In, in the scene in Griffith Park, even a little bit with uh, Ginger's boyfriend, there's something, that one maybe mm-hmm. a little bit less, and definitely with this bouncer, there's something where we're with him, even though he's the bad guy, up to a certain point. Right. And I don't know what that is. That's just that's an on-screen charisma Mm. that certain people have. Like Mm -hmm. you, you can teach technique. You can teach. You can teach how to land on marks, but you can't teach presence. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's something that he. I mean, even in his not as great performances, he's just magnetic. Like you just want to watch him. Yeah. Well, I think there's also something about watching the douchebags get their comeuppance. Kind of. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you have the punks up at up at the observatory and they're messing with him and, and there's something fun about oh you don't know who you're messing with yeah. you know and yeah. like when you get you know and I, I think the three of us are going to talk about T2 but the opening of T2 at the honky tonk kind of bar yep. is all of that it's yeah. just like the fun of knowing all these guys are going to get their asses kicked Yeah, you know there's something about that um, this scene in the club is amazing by yeah. the way yeah so Arnold comes in Sarah is there there's an, and there's this amazing sort of dual antagonist we don't understand what's going on build up with Sarah at the center it's mostly in slow motion Arnold comes walking in Sarah drops something and she ducks just as he goes by um, and then she comes up and who does she see but the creepy guy from the street right so in her mind that's the guy mm-hmm. he is the killer so now she's really scared um, and of course we know we're starting to know oh that's not the problem Right. The problem is this other person. And then right after she spots Michael Bean, Arnold spots her. And she turns and sees him as he comes through the crowd in slow motion, Mm -hmm. as through the people dancing, as the music is building up. And and she's just transfixed by this person. Mm -hmm. Kyle starts to pull the shotgun out of his coat. Arnold has raised his gun. Kyle starts to push people away. And just as uh, Arnold is about to kill Sarah, Kyle opens fire. And this is the scene where the red light goes on her head. 
and yeah. she is frozen with fear right. because who wouldn't be? Absolutely, you were a waitress five or four hours ago. Now you're in a club. Two people, two people with your same name, have been killed, and you've seen two creepy guys coming after you. And you see this guy, and he points like, yeah. "Why would you think you would run or do anything other than shit your fucking pants?" Yeah. <laughs> and Arnold gets hit several times with a shotgun. He goes down. Yes. And then his hands start to move. <laughs> and he starts to get up. Um, uh, and he gets up. And as Sarah tries to get away, he opens up with an Uzi or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are going down everywhere. Um, and there's just, again, you see how Arnold moves. This mechanical way that he moves his body all at once, checks a new angle. It's all just really fun to watch. And is able to do it with very little expression on yeah. his face. Yeah. Like he's, he's able to keep a pretty blank, blank face. Yeah, which is impressive firing an automatic weapon, I would think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like to just be stone-faced while you're doing it. Um, and Sarah gets caught under a dead body, and she's trying to get out. Um, and again, Arnold is about to get her, and again, Kyle opens fire uh, with a shotgun. And what does he say when he finally gets to Sarah? Come with me if you want to live. Yeah. Come with me if you want to live. That's one of the great lines of all time. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great. This is, and, and this is, I, was, I looked at the clock because I always like to see kind of how much we've gone in. We're 37 minutes into the movie. Mm. And that's the moment at which we realize that this Michael Bean character is actually the hero yeah. or a hero. You know, that's a, that's a long way where we've been living sort of in the what's happening here. Right. You know. Uh, you know, and of course, I'd seen this many times, so I'm not wondering that so much. But, but the you know, to get to that moment, that's a great build to come with me if you want to live. Yeah, it's awesome. And of course, what does Arnold do? He gets up. He's going to get up a lot. Um, and uh, and now we're on the run. Kyle reloads, and for the first time, we see Terminator vision. This is so cool. <laughs> yeah, the red back yeah. in the day, and all these were you know things stats going by yeah. and. It's like, oh, wow, yeah, we're in some good science fiction-y stuff now. Um, and there's a little bit of an unrealistic thing where the Terminator's coming after him, and he fires at the tailpipe of a car and, I guess, hits the gas tank and just blows it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool, though. And then they get into a car. They get into the, the um, hot-wired car, and they're starting to pull away, and Arnold comes out of the fire, leaps onto the hood of the car, and punches through the windshield. Right. This is a fake windshield. Okay. okay. <laughs> Nobody can Thank punch God. through a front windshield. They're pretty tough. That's a lot of strength. Yeah. But that is really Arnold. <laughs> yeah. And course. that is really a moving car. Wow. Yeah. He, he, he did some stuff in this movie right that he would not do later on um, in his career. Um, and it looks just great. Um, and of course, the co- they, they, uh, they spin the car a little bit, throw Arnold off, and a cop sees it. Obviously, this is a crazy hit and run felony. Um, and. Uh, the car drives away and Arnold again gets up and he's there's smoke coming off of him. And, and that was done by pouring acid on his clothes and hair. Good God. Yes. Which Arnold said hurt. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, it hurt. <laughs> God damn it. I'm burning. I can't even, man. That's insane. Yeah. So you're Sarah. You're in the car. Sure. This, this just happened to you. What are you thinking? I think I think I'm doing exactly what she did. It was like get information, right? Because mm-hmm. Reese starts to tell her oh, everything that's happening, and you must be going out of your your mind because you're like, how can this be possible? Because you, you're throwing all this information at me, and I have to process it and see where I belong in it. It's a it's a lot, and she's in shock. I mean, just yeah, total, oh yeah, absolutely total terrified shock. And he's like, are you know, are you hurt? Are you shot? Mm-hmm. And she's like, you know, what what is what's happening? And and I love Michael Bean's performance in this scene that he's not. 
he doesn't have any skills of talking to this person at this right. moment. He talks like this military guy who, you know, that's the way he can communicate. With I'm here to help you. I'm Reese, Sergeant Techcom, BN38416, assigned to protect you. You've been targeted for termination. Um, we're back at the uh, police car. He's taken out, Arnold's taken out the cop, and apparently Terminators can uh, copy voices. It's a very useful skill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here's my point. Yes. We see him do this in a number of occasions. Right. Why the fuck does he speak in a regular accent, in an Austrian accent when he speaks his regular? Like, it makes no sense. Agreed. Part of the reason Cameron said he actually liked the Austrian accent was that generating an original voice, it's like the the Cyberdyne hadn't gotten the technology right. And that's why it's like, it actually works. Like, he can mimic folks, but creating the original voice is a little bit of a challenge. That is a lame, lame excuse. (laughs) (laughs) That is Cameron trying to... uh, Sell something that, as John said, doesn't really make sense. Who, who, who is he mimicking in this scene right now? The cop that he uh, took the car okay, from. Okay, but has he had a conversation? With, how would he know how the cop actually He sounds? heard him say one sentence. Yeah, when they were talking into the mic. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, it's that, a machine. That, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to question the machine. <laughs> it's like Mission Impossible 3 when Tom Cruise has uh, <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman oh, read yeah. that sentence. <laughs> the voice uh, modulator or whatever it was, yeah. Well, and I think, you know, what we have to say about all these things, because obviously lots of movies... Uh, th- there's a certain point where it's a deal breaker. Yeah. And it's like, if you're kind of in it and you go, okay, that's cool, then it doesn't really matter. Right. And even, you know, there are all sorts of things we can talk about with movies that don't make sense. There's a certain point with certain films where you go, all right, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> or I don't care. I'm still enjoying this totally. film. Like well, yeah, because if you're in the middle of a chase scene, you yeah. don't have time to process like, wait a second, yeah. how does this work exactly? <laughs> John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, yeah, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, Thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. Um, and that's when, and now we're back with Kyle and Sarah, and he starts to explain that's not a man, it's a machine. This isn't true. How could that man just get up after you did? It's not a man. Machine. Terminator. Cyberdyne Systems Model 101. 
And then the cop car comes up, and we keep so we're. It's a great way to do it, but we're going to do a lot of exposition, and we keep it in a really thrilling chasing. So you're willing to say, if we were just sitting in a cafe, well, I said, well, it's a machine, and there are hundred killers, and I'm from the future. It would be boring, yeah, and stupid. But because we're running from cop cars and the adrenaline's really high, it's really exciting. Yes, um, they end up in a garage. Um, and then he just lays out the reality. And the thing I was thinking about how he does it, there's no human compassion in the way that he does this. Nope. He's not thinking about her feelings or any. He's just like, this is the reality you're in. Right, because he has no, well, we find out later he's never been with a woman. No. So what kind of compassion would he have if he's been fighting the machine since birth? That's, yeah, the world he lives in. Right. You know. Yeah. It's pretty stark. It's no time for sentimentality. Yeah. And, and there's this great moment where, as she's describing, you know, the, the skin over the mm-hmm. battle chassis and all, she says, Look, I am not stupid, you know. They cannot make things like that yet. Not yet. Not for about 40 years. Yeah. Um, I love what he's, he's, he goes, I don't know tech stuff. I, I love all those little <laughs> bits. I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking, this might be my favorite Cameron script. Oh. In, in turn, because my... Uh, I think Cameron, as we talked about in Aliens, I think he's great with story yeah. and great with structure and not always great with dialogue. And there's a there's a cheesy, corny factor sometimes mm-hmm. in what he does that I don't like as much. Um, and this movie doesn't have the cheesy, corny factor. Mm. And the dialogue seems actually pretty good. And I don't know if there was improv on the set or... Yeah, it, it's, it's a tight script. And then what, what does she do? She tries to run. Yes. Which, because this guy is obviously a crazy person. And he grabs her, and she bites him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, and his response is just is great. She he goes, cyborgs don't feel pain. I do. Don't do that again. <laughs> and then we get to one of the great lines of all time. You know where he's trying to convince her of how serious this is. Just let me come. Listen and understand. That Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with. It can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop. Ever. Until you are dead. That's a lot of shit to lay on someone. I mean, you see the shades of Michael Myers' Halloween. Yeah, uh, absolutely. The character from Halloween, yeah. The unstoppable bad mm-hmm, guy. Mm-hmm. And then you have had, no concept why it's happening, yeah. what where it came from, but it's it's coming for you. And this she kind of does. Can you stop it? Yeah. And he doesn't know. That's good. Uh, we're back to Arnold. He's driving around, and his I love that his eyebrows are now gone. They're singed off. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's just this. That's the beginning of this transformation of very human and pristine Arnold to he's going to slowly fall apart as, yeah. as as he gets more beat up throughout this film. Um, uh, cops are in the parking structure. They say we think it's in there. He does a U-turn. Um, Kyle and Sarah break into a car. Um, he tells more about the future. There's nuclear war, and it was planned by uh, the machines. But there was one man who taught us to fight, to storm the wire of the camps, to smash those metal motherfuckers into junk. He turned it around. He brought us back from the brink. His name is Connor. John Connor, your son, Sarah, your unborn son. All right, now we've gotten to the plot. 
Yeah. We understand what this is, is we have to protect the mom of the savior of the human race in the future. Right. Yeah. It's a good sci-fi plot. Well, I love this idea, again, of AI. Like, even back in 1984, they understood AI could destroy humanity. Because, logically, we should not exist as a species. But, like, the once the computer figures it out which happened just a few weeks ago when two computers were left alone and they created their own language that they had to pull the plug on both those computers. <laughs> that tells you something. Stop messing around with this shit because it's going to happen. I don't understand why people keep messing around with this crap and keep thinking it's going to, you know, they're, they're getting to their intellectual rocks off by doing this because it's going, they had to pull the plug on both the computers because the computers had understood they could communicate and they created their own language that humans could not understand. What does that tell you? It's, we're on a ticking time bomb of a clock, man. Now, it's, it's AI, it's in your top three fears? That's in my top two. Top two. Simian and- Revolution <laughs> and AI. But AI seems more closer than a Simian I, Revolution. I'm not worried about Simian Revolution. You want until the AIs control the Simians and then we're done. <laughs> we're done. Trust me. Uh, we're done. We're batteries. But, John, what if the AI helps me get my sh- packages faster from Amazon? <laughs> great, but when you open the packages, the little AI is going to cut your throat out. That's what the thing is. Those guys are smart. They know what you But I'm your- a prime member. <laughs> it means you die first. I was going to say, in two, days or less, yeah, in two days or less, you'll be dead. For free. For free. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but enjoy this movie on us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no thanks. Okay, Arnold's in the garage now. Yeah. Driving slowly. Yeah, stalking. Yeah, and there's a great thing that it's all small, but that he turns, he moves his eyes first and then turns his head. Yeah. It's a great little mechanical looking thing. When you have a good director, they understand. And then he spots them, blows out the windshield, and immediately we're back in another car chase. Yep. And I think uh, these car chases are really good. I think they're well done. He clearly did watch Road Warrior. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're at that level. Um, but I don't. He doesn't have that kind of budget. I mean, these are really small. And it's also hamstrung by the fact that he's in the city. Yeah. Whereas with Road Warrior, you're way out in the wasteland. Right. You know, there's a lot of time and space and area to occupy. Whereas in the city, it's very tight quarters. By the yeah. way, I don't know if you have this experience, but when I, I first saw this movie, of course, I didn't know Los Angeles. Right. And it's so weird watching it now because I'm like, they're on Hollywood Boulevard. Yep. They're oh, I know where that is. Mm-hmm. You know, because some of it. I mean, it's dated now because it's 30 plus year old movie, but still like. Oh, wow, I know where they are. Mm -hmm. It's weird. He makes her drive, and he's firing at him. um, And then she stops, and Arnold just slams into a wall. Cops arrive. She stops Kyle. Sarah stops Kyle from opening on the cops. Mm -hmm. They surrender, and Arnold is gone. Yeah. Um, We're in the police station. She finds out about her roommate and the roommate's boyfriend, and we meet Dr. Silverman. Oh, God. (laughs) You hate him instantly, don't you? Mm -hmm. You're Dr. Criminal psychologist. He's yawning. It's the yawn. (laughs) Is that he's so dismissive and rude right from the beginning. He is terrible. I'm sure there's a whole backstory that, you know, he was he wanted to be at a bigger university, but he ended up at a community college or a small college. So to them, he's it's beneath him the work he's doing, but it was the only work he could get. And so you can see the yawn yeah. or whatever. Like, the exuberance he has later on when he thinks he can turn these confessions from Kyle into some kind of book or something 
It's just like you're just you're just sad. It, it reminds me of Chilton from Silence of the Lambs. Just that mm. pursuit of yeah. pursuit of notoriety for using anybody to become famous. Well, and being the night shift psychiatrist at a police thing, I mean that's the rough. You got to deal with a lot of crap. Yeah. Know? So I understand True. it. Yeah. But yeah, he's terrible. And it's even a- though he's only in four scenes, I think it's it's like three or four scenes. He there was so much resonance with him, yeah. and then he. Comes came back, back in yeah. two and three, and in the pre-show at the Terminator Two 3D attraction. Oh! It's it's not the pre-show. It's it was the video that was in the queue line. Like oh. he, he pops up at one point that and is talking funny. about talking about the Connors. That That's is so funny. Great. <laughs> um, and then we're in, with Arnold in this room doing some repairs. Yeah. And now we get to see Stan Winston, the makeup uh, effects guy, is really starting to see him work. I love the opening of his wrist and seeing the little servos and things mm-hmm. of, of his hand movement. It's really it's and again that just totally mechanical emotionless way that he takes a scalpel and cuts himself open. Oh, that's the uh, of all the scenes in the movie, that's the one that makes me go insane. The sick, sick that knife in his eyeball, I lose my mind. That I is, can't handle that. It's rough. I watched my wife squirm quite a bit when that was happening. <laughs> that's the worst man. It is, and it's really well done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a good job, and they show you the red eye. Yep. And that's really important because that's going to come into play later. But they show you that red eye. And, of course, you can tell it switches from the almost thing, the thing right. type of graphics uh, or uh, makeup, rather, to human face to yeah. back to that. And you can tell by the slow, jerky movement right. that, of, the, of the face what it is. But it still works so well because this is, a, this is essentially a robot. Yeah. So it's going to not always move in a human way all the time. And the great thing, two great things happen after he cuts his own eyeball out <laughs> is he then puts on the glasses, which I knew as Terminator glasses. Yeah. They, that was what they were. And do you remember the last thing he does in the scene? He checks mm. his hair. <laughs> it's just a That's little great. hair thing. That's great. It's great. And I don't know why this robot from the future needs to check his hair, but his appearance is important. He knows that he needs to infiltrate into yes. places. That's his job. And we go back to the police station. Kyle's being interviewed by the psychiatrist, uh, and he is getting more and more angry. And Lance Hendrickson and uh, Paul Whitfield are looking through the one-way mirror, mm-hmm. and Lance loves it. He yeah. thinks this is hilarious stuff. And Paul is kind of more serious something right you get the sense that he goes what if this is something about this feels different right doesn't feel like a crazy person and uh and then we're we're, we're watch um we're watching kyle on tape and and the psychiatrist is playing it for sarah and this is where he does what you're talking about which is i can write a book on this stuff this is great stuff i could make a career out of this guy you see how clever this part is how it doesn't require a shred of proof and most paranoid delusions are intricate but this is brilliant and he lets that tape play until Kyle is screaming at it. You still don't get it, do you? He'll find her. That's what he does. That's all he does. You can't stop him. He'll wait for you, reach down her throat, and pull her fucking heart out. And Paul, Paul's going, hey, let's uh, turn that thing off. Yeah. Um, uh, and Doc's, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, no, it's more, it's not even that. It's, that would at least mean he cared. Yeah. He actually just goes, oh, sorry. Yeah. Like, it was not a big deal to him. He, he's, a t- he's the most horrible person in the, in the he's movie. He's the worst. He's, he's like <laughs> the absolute worst. Um, uh, and, and Sarah asks, so, you know, is he crazy? And his response is, 
Oh, in technical terminology, he's a loon. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, and they, they give an explanation. Oh, this guy's probably wearing body armor. He's on PCP. He didn't feel anything. And, uh, you know, again, and then what does he tell her? He says, just stretch out on this couch. Mm-hmm. Get some rest. You're surrounded by 30 cops. You're perfectly safe. Gives her his jacket. Gives her his, his jacket. jacket on. He's yeah. a gentleman. <laughs> and she's left all alone. And who walks into the police station? The Terminator. Yeah. I'm a friend of Sarah Connor. I was told that she's here. Could I see her, please? No, can't see her. She's making a statement. Where is she? Look, it may take a while. I want to wait. There's a bench over there. And then we get the line. Oh, man. I'll be back. What's great about the way he delivers the line, this is what's important to me, is he leans in initially looks to the left and right then leans in again and says i'll be back because he's already figured out what he's going to do and so that's why he says i'll be back because he knows he's going to crash that car through that police station into that air it's going to give him the element of surprise he's going to hit these places and know exactly how to attack everybody in that police station and arnold did not want to say that line what he was having trouble with addiction he was having trouble with aisle, and he oh. was trying to convince Cameron. He's like, let me say, I will, I will, and Cameron would not budge. How interesting. Like, it needs to be said like this. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And, um, and that becomes, for the next, I don't know, seven, eight movies, Arnold says that in every movie. Uh, he's still saying it in every yeah. movie. And, and here's the thing about that. I, I, it's this weird meta film thing, because you, you're watching commando or raw deal or predator or running man or any of these movies that came after and you part of you is going when's arnold gonna say i'll be how are they gonna work i'll be back into it Mm. and there's this that's this weird i'm in the movie and not in the movie and and those things like for me it was fun for a little while and then it went on too long and then you need to stop doing it you know and it's a that's a weird one And, and it's particularly weird because i'll be back is a perfect movie moment in this film but part of what makes it a perfect movie moment is what happens next yeah it's not the line it's the line in combination with the next thing that happens is the the sergeant behind the desk gets hit with headlights and the car drives up slams through the window and crashes into him really amazing. that's what makes it work yep. <laughs> one thing i noticed watching this way the headlights on the car are not turned on so oh. so the light what's what's the light he's getting hit with interesting yeah um, I bet that bugs the shit out of Cameron, by the way. Like, that's exactly the kind of thing where... Fix that in post. And now we have the full Terminator attack on the police station. Good God, man. Yeah, he wipes some people out. That's not something you would see nowadays, man. You know, it'd be really ballsy for an, a director to direct a scene like that and put that in his movie where a Terminator or any kind of creature walks into a police station and kills 30 policemen. Yeah. Like it's a powerful thing to do. But back in the 80s, and especially because we were so obsessed with the post-apocalyptic stuff, that was certainly something. Because you feel for the police officers. They're just doing oh, their absolutely. job yeah. in the building, and they're getting killed by this, this machine. And I think the idea of like a building getting shot up present day, that yeah. is something that is sort of in in our day-to-day lives like that could happen like if it happens on the news like oh damn another one right the first few guys that arnold shoots they're on their phones yeah, yeah. i mean so you hear a few gunshots like eh, police station now mm-hmm. that does not happen yeah. everybody hits the ground right well and i think to, there's something that came up when we were talking about adventures of robin hood mm-hmm. which is that there's a tone thing like there are people getting killed in robin hood sure but we don't have any emotional feeling for them like if you look at 
um, Man of Steel or you look at the end of the Avengers, there's like tens of thousands of people being killed. Yeah. But we don't feel anything for them, really, because of the kind of movie we're in. We're in a movie where we're not supposed to take things that seriously. Yeah. In this scene, in the police station, because of the people on their phone and because of the way it's slaughter, it seems terrible. Yeah. It really seems rough. Yep. Uh, and like there's there's so and there's some great moments in there like guy dives behind the wall and his using his Terminator vision he fires through the wall and kills the guy there's all sorts of good stuff like that right um, we have Lance Henriksen and Paul Winfield they um, go to uh, protect Sarah they both go out with their guns like say here yeah. and of course she knows what's going on now uh, and they both get killed right or we think it seems like they get killed it seems like they get killed yeah and uh, Kyle manages to knock down a police uh, a guard grab the keys does a great unlock the cuffs behind his back uh-huh. moment and now he's off looking for Sarah and there's she's cowering and there's his shadow on the door and opening the door and of course we know it's him right. but she doesn't know it's him right he comes in and they, they make it out mm-hmm. and they escape and they jump in a car yeah it's a great action sequence and now later on, it's it's the morning. Their car is running out of gas. We've heard that the largest manhunt in California history is looking for something. They push the car off the road. They're underneath a bridge. And now we have a nice little intimate moment between them. Yeah. She finds out he's wounded. She puts she puts a bandage on him. Field dressing. Yeah. You know, she says it's a good field dressing. She oh. says, thanks. It's my first. Yeah, because she was protesting, right? She's like, I didn't ask for this. I don't want this. Yeah. Right? And that's that's how you would react. Of course. She's like, I don't want the weight of the world. Like, literally, the, 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 the rest of humanity exists if I live and my son lives. Yeah. And I train him correctly. Yeah. You know? And then he gives that message. Your son gave me a message to give to you. Made me memorize it. Thank you, Sarah, for your courage through the dark years. I can't help you with what you must soon face except to say that the future is not set. You must be stronger than you imagine you can be. You must survive or I will never exist. And there's this great moment she asks to tell him about him. And he says, he's about my height. He yeah. has your eyes. I love the little stuff. <laughs> because the first time you watch this movie, you don't know. Yeah. You know? But then, but then watching it the second time, it's all very, very clear what's yeah. happening. Um, and then he starts to tell her about what life was like. Yeah. And so what life is going to be like. And again, we flash back, flash forward. Um, and they talk about the arrival of the Terminators. And we see uh, Reese coming back from a mission, and he goes into these tunnels, and we see the security, we see the dogs, we see the dirty kids. I love there's a shot where there's a little kid watching a TV with a fire in it. That's just a great little yeah. post-apocalyptic <laughs> detail. We see the wounded, we see the sick, we see rats, and we see Reese sit down, and in a quiet moment, he pulls out this photograph mm-hmm. of Sarah Connor. The dogs start barking, Reese gets up, and a Terminator comes through the door. Here's something I didn't know. Do you know who the Terminator is? Franco. It's Franco Colombo. Oh, his friend. His friend, Arnold's buddy, who's also in Conan. I never knew that until last night I found out. How funny. Yeah, that's Franco Colombo coming through the door as the Terminator. Um, And he's got a big-ass gun. Um, He's got strong legs. Yeah, yeah, he does. Um, (laughs) And in the battle with this Terminator... The picture burns. Yeah. And we're back to the morning, and we're back. She's fallen asleep in Kyle's arms. Uh, he touches her face, and she was that she wakes up, says she was dreaming about dogs, and he explains they use them to spot Terminators. Now, let's have a conversation about this. Okay. Because I feel like we have to stop for a second and have a conversation about this. With, yes. He's a bit of a stalker. 
He's got that picture of her. He's created no his whole, question. No, he's yeah, created absolutely. This whole fantasy world of her. Like, and you know, when you're young, you get a picture of somebody, or you 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 get attracted to somebody. It may, and like nowadays, you'd save that picture on your phone. But in the old days, you'd have a picture, or you sure. cut it out of the yearbook, or whatever. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm a star. I'm saying people have done that. <laughs> you <laughs> don't know from personal yeah, experience. I don't know, I'm, I'm, people have told me. But you give, and then and then when you meet that person, like you already have a fantasy world created in your mind of what your relationship could be with this person because you've already brought all your emotions and this person is just getting to know you. So it's an interesting position that Kyle is in because Kyle is a great hero in this way. He is not a smart hero. He is a driven, he's determined, practical. he's practical. Yeah. But like you said, I don't know tech stuff. He's not a leader. No. He loves John Connor. He says, I would give my life for John Connor. My guess is he's a good corporal or sergeant. You sure. know what I mean? Sure. Like like with with six people on a mission, he's probably a good leader. But no, he's not a he's not a general. He's not a tactician. No. no. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But he has developed an incredibly passionate affection for Sarah Connor based on this picture and based on his affection for John Connor. Well, the pic and the picture was given to him by John Connor. Exactly. Well, and this brings up the, the uh, so so I agree. By the way, he's yeah. a stalker. Yeah, he's a nice stalker and, sure, a, sure, and sure. a good guy. But clearly, he is obsessed with this person who yes. he has never met and has volunteered to this thing to go back and meet the person that he's never met that he's obsessed with. Right. But let's take it to the next level. So John Connor gave her the picture. Him right. the picture. Why did John Connor give him the picture? Well, because well, Sarah told him to. Right. Because Why? he knows that's his dad. Yeah. Right. So he is. He inspired this guy mm -hmm. to be in love with his mom. Yes. So he is the future time travel hookup guy yes. for his mom and dad. Yeah. It is, in fact, Back to the Future, <laughs> where you have to get your mom and dad together you and do. use time travel to do it. Right. Um, Except Bibbs the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, right? <laughs> You know, I can't argue the point. I think that is a hundred percent correct. Well, and and the, and you don't know why this happens until the, almost the last moment of the film, which we'll get to obviously when she's recording these uh, the messages, messages yeah. for her unborn son. Yeah, but anyway, um, Arnold is looking through her address book, and 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 we see and there's flies landing on his skin, yeah. and a, like a janitor maintenance guy or something comes by <laughs> talking about the smell. Is there a dead cat? And it is funny. I hadn't thought about it so much. It's like, oh, yeah, he's rotting. Yeah. Like his skin is rotting. And then Arnold has to come up with a response. And there's a great Terminator vision moment as a list of possible responses come up on the screen. <laughs> and what does he come up with? Fuck, Fuck you, you, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and the janitor shrugs his shoulders yeah, like, that, well, it makes sense. Yeah. Probably shouldn't have asked. My bad. <laughs> so I, look, I looked it up. Arnold has 18 lines in this whole movie. Oh, wow. Less than 100 words. There you go. I mean, that's, that's impressive. It's like Henry Cavill in Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. If that. <laughs> um, I have many opinions about that. Oh, okay, yes. Not. Um, um, <laughs> Don't get me down that part. Arnold finds out about uh, Mom's cabin. Um, Kyle and Sarah are checking into a motel. He goes out for supplies. Uh, he gives her the gun, and what does Sarah do? Calls, Calls mom. mom. Jesus, that is just you know. Lesson to all you people out there: yeah. when you're being hunted by a time traveling cyborg, don't call your mom. Yeah, <laughs> don't call your dad. Don't tell her where you're at. Don't post on Twitter or Facebook. Right. right. 
You just don't do those things. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the conversation with her mom, because we don't know that it's her mom yeah. at, at, at first. Well, we she, do know that it's her mom. We don't know it's the Terminator. Exactly. That's, right. what, that's what I meant to say. Right. Um, she is surprisingly relaxed for yeah. everything that has happened. She's like, Mom, I can't tell you. Okay, this is where I am. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, well, a shower cures a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. Actually, by the way, that is true. I do love a shower. And she gives her the uh, the motel, and he gets yeah. the motel's at, and he calls the motel and gets the motel's address. Um, uh, so it, it doesn't explicitly show that he killed mom, does it? Yeah, well, the doors the doors tore up. Yeah, yeah we, we get, get the sense that pretty mom much is no more. Mom is dead. Yeah. Um, Kyle brings back supplies. She's expecting some food. He could have gotten food also and, you know, stuff to make plastique. Sure, sure. Um, apparently, he's very comfortable in stores and buying products. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they start to make uh, plastique. Arnold's on a motorcycle. We're making bombs. Uh, and this is, Sarah's accepted it now. Mm-hmm. She's starting to go, okay, he's, he is going to find us at some point. Um, and she, you know, there's this sort of like, oh, I'm some legend. You must be really disappointed. And that's where he really says he tells her about the picture and the way he describes that picture it is full-on obsession yeah i am in love with you from the future yeah and he says that yeah i came across time for you sarah i love you i always have I've come across time for you, right? <laughs> Which, by the way, that line works. I mean, if you could, if you can apply it, I guess. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure to put on a woman, man. <laughs> well, she's. I mean, she already is the future of the human race. Yeah, so. I guess so. <laughs> so I've come across time for you. Seems like I just met you like two days ago. You <laughs> yeah. come across, you're in love with me already. Come across time. Slow down. Let's like <laughs> go out on a date or something. This is already like. <laughs> I don't know, man. She's into it. She seems into it. Well, we moved fast back in the '80s too, man. We, you know, we jumped into stuff all the time. Yeah. And speaking of jumping into stuff, they jump into the sack. Hey, there it is, yeah. And it, <laughs> the obligatory nice. 80s love scene. Oh, yeah. It is with the, with the hand grasp. With the, cra- the hand clasps. Yeah. Oh, the two hand clasps. Simulating sex. Yes, yeah. I love it. Um, By the way, beautiful body. Linda Hamilton. Yeah. And Kyle. I mean, Michael There's Bean. A, absolutely. two good-looking no, people having No sex. question about it. Um, uh, but Arnold is coming. And mm. we're kind of waking up the next morning. And the first thing we hear, dogs barking. Can I start one more thing? Yes. Why is it in all these kind of movies, sex, right? Like, why would you have, like, it would never occur to me to have sex if I was being chased by something. And this happens all the time. Yeah. In all these disaster movies or action adventure movies when things are coming after them, people have sex. They have a moment to have sex. I'm like, why are you even thinking about sex? Like, you gotta, you gotta live. Well, we or, know why Kyle's thinking about it. He's thought about he's it. He's been thinking about oh, it. Oh, well, whole... sure. Of yeah. course, of course. But like, Right, good point. But like we see this in other movies. Why do people have sex? Right, but like why is there time? I I have, I have two answers for you. Okay. Um, the I, I think there's. I'll give you what I think is like the story answer, sure, and then I'll sure. give you what I think is maybe the real answer. So the story answer is: these could be my last moments on Earth. I want to have some moment of pleasure, some moment of connection, Fair and enough. also the barriers between people, since we've now shared a life and death experience, we can kind of skip the foreplay a little bit and right. just get right to it. I think that's sort of the story explanation. Okay. But I think the other explanation is that these are fantasies. You know? And so Fair. when you're having the male heroic fantasy of saving the damsel in distress, right. part of that fantasy is that then you get to have sex with her. Yeah. You know? Okay. I mean, and... You know, and whatever we want to say about whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, or how, what that says about you know fourteen-year-old boys, right? You know, that I, I think that's 
they're just linked up. Well, and the next morning, he's like all smiles. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Kyle's never been with a woman. This is his first time. He it's, says like he's never because so, yeah. she touches him and he says, "No, I never I've never known the affection of a woman or been with a woman." And so this is for, so he's all he's like a fucking 16-year-old kid like the next morning after having sex for the first time like all happy and stuff, you know, and <laughs> he's taking a bite of the app. Like it's the first time you see yeah. him smile. Yeah. And the whole movie is the morning after. Um, it's a good time to smile. And it's so funny because I'm thinking about this whole other movie where they go into the motel room and he goes, oh my God, look at this bed. Yeah, right? This is so comfy. <laughs> so comfy. Like, this yeah, feels right. so nice. so awkward about it and over overt. Yeah. <laughs> Get off me, woman. It's like, what, this is, look, when you open the door of this refrigerator, like the light turns on. This is awesome. Uh, that's TV. <laughs> she was just rolling her eyes at him. She, of course. <laughs> so dogs are barking in the morning. Um, uh, and we this guy gets out of the way. Arnold busts into the uh, motel room. He opens fire. Opens fire, but they have snuck out the back. They steal the truck. They're getting good at stealing cars. Yes. Um, and now we're into... He's on the motorcycle. And we're into another chase. Um, and, and there's a moment where they're driving where he goes, trade places with me. I watch that and I go, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. That seems really, maybe because I'm a big guy. And so it would be very difficult for someone. (laughs) You know, and today we have bucket seats. We don't have bench seats. But still, it just seems like, man, that seems really hard. (laughs) But they do it. And then Kyle's throwing the bombs. They worked all night just trying to hit him with the, it doesn't seem like a good plan with the bombs. No, because there's one shot. He's he's thrown three or four of them. And they're going off behind Arnold. Right. (laughs) There's one where he holds it for a second and then throws it and he still misses him. Right. And you would think, like, but then the next shot is he throws another one and goes off behind him. It's like, nah, you split the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Hold, that's hold a hard, it seems like a hard, you only have like six of them and that seems like a hard thing to do. Yeah. Um, but that's what he's doing. Um, and then uh, he gets shot and he drops a bomb like right nearby and explodes and hurts him. And then uh, she, she's actually slowly emerging to be the hero. Yeah. Because she slams the truck into him and, and just really wipes him out. And then she flips the truck. Mm-hmm. Um and of course, we see again. Arnold gets up. Yeah. Um, and and he gets what run happened? over. Yeah. Like in the next moment, he gets run over by a big tanker truck. <laughs> um, and I love that he catches sort of the undercarriage of the truck and kind of gets dragged mm-hmm. Raiders of the Lost Ark style. Um, and the truck driver kind of freaks out. He slams on the brakes and. He gets out of the car, tells the other guy who's in the cab with him, wait here. And Sarah watches as he kills, as Arnold kills that driver. Um, and I love Arnold now his face completely falling off, um, getting into the cab of the truck and looking at the other, other guy and going, get out. <laughs> and the guy gets out. Of course. Uh, but Sarah's got to get uh, Kyle out of the truck. And she drags him out of the truck. And, and now they're get, she manages to get him up, and they start moving. And now they're getting chased by a big tanker truck. <sighs> These Terminators are hard to stop. It <laughs> seemed difficult. Uh, by the way, one thing I read is that he had the idea for the liquid metal Terminator for this movie. Oh. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, yeah, the effects were not. He's not ready yet. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's remarkable to me how much he had figured out about this series yeah. just in this film. Yeah. I mean, Cameron's a smart guy. Um, so they're being chased by the truck, and uh, they kind of separate. He tells Sarah to keep, Kyle tells Sarah to keep running. He pulls out his last bomb, stuffs it in the tailpipe, 
Um, and as she, and he jumps into a dumpster, and we get a great explosion. Yep. And this is a one-sixth miniature. That's the explosion. Oh, nice. Um, it is really well done. They did it the first time, and they accidentally pulled the wheels off the truck before the explosion. <laughs> but the explosion had already been started, so they had to, you know, and so they had to reset for like three days to rebuild Ooh. the new truck and rebuild the whole set. <laughs> and when they did the uh, miniature, they had already shot the aftermath of the explosion mm. with all the debris and the fire, so they had to match which was shot in front of one of the L.A. police stations, and they had to match exactly what it looked like when they yeah. did this explosion. And it is 42 different explosive devices in that truck because they didn't want wow. to just blow up at once. They wanted to blow up in a series. Yeah, uh, it, it looks really good. Yeah. I like miniatures. Um, I like Shannon, too. Wait, what? Come on, it was sitting oh. there. It was sitting there. Low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> you, you can cut that part out of the podcast. No, leave it in. I won't be mad. <laughs> I will definitely decide to either cut it out or leave it in. <laughs> um, it seems good. We blew him up. Sure. We seem okay. She runs and finds we, Kyle. We did it, Kyle. We race. We're safe. <laughs> and then behind them rises again... The Terminator. Yeah, man. The the metal skeleton. No more Arnold. No. You can say goodbye to Arnold. He is now gone. Which is really amazing. For and probably because he doesn't have that clout just yet, that he would accept not having his face in the last five mm. minutes, ten minutes of a movie. Stars never do that. In fact, I saw a video the other day that uh, uh, about Tom Cruise was so close to being Iron Man. Uh, back, yeah, it really? was it was gonna be Casavetes. It was gonna be Nick Casavetes directing Tom Iron Cruise Man? as Iron Man in two thousand six, two thousand seven for New Line because New Line had the rights and then they reverted back to Marvel. And the sticking point, the reason they didn't make the movie is because Tom Cruise had a demand that the the faceplate had to be see through, so he you would see his face at all times. Wow, wow, and that's not Iron Man. There's so many things about that story that I'm glad that it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> but like, uh, you know, uh, and they had, they had like, you know, uh, keep kept going with this possibility that Katie Holmes would be Pepper Potts because at the time they were boyfriend right. girlfriend <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. So it was just very interesting that that was a sticky point. And so this makes me think of this because of this idea of like he would not accept his face being hidden. Right. He's the star of the movie. Right. And so Schwarzenegger is really interesting. And I think it works great for the movie that you don't have to see him. He's established himself enough. You want to see more of Schwarzenegger and whatever he's going to do next. You don't need him in this last part of the movie. And this is all like Harryhausen type of effects with yeah. the, with the uh, Terminator. Well, and Arnold, not only does he, he is happy to have his face degraded throughout the film. Yes. Good point. Um, you know, so by the end of the film, in the last few scenes, he's all ripped to pieces. He's yeah. half man, half machine. Good point. Um, and now, as you said, Harryhausen. I don't think it is Harryhausen who did it, but now we have the stop motion Terminator. Yeah. This looks weak to me. I mean, it just like. 84. This is like, you know, we did, there are other movies like we talked about um, when we did Star Wars. Yeah. Those effects totally hold up. Absolutely. If we were to do 2001, those effects totally hold up. This does not for me. Like this is just like ooh. when they do the more animatronic stuff with the with the Terminator robot. Yeah. I think those work fine. It's the it's the stop motion. Yeah. That just. They don't, it doesn't work. Yeah, because I mean, I think you factor in because, like, obviously, Return of the Jedi, the Rancor, or that wasn't stop motion, though, was it? No. Uh, no. Or was any of it stop motion? The There's, Rancor. There, the, uh, no, I don't think that's stop. Uh, no, I think it is stop motion. Okay. No, 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 it's not. No, okay. I, 
okay, I haven't researched this film, so this is not. But I'm pretty sure that's a Muppet. Okay. Yeah. Um, the only stop motion I can think of is in Star Wars. The chess pieces are. Oh yeah. That's stop motion. Okay. Yeah. Um, maybe there's other stop motion. I don't know. I guess, but the walkers would have been stop motion, weren't they? The walkers. Yeah. The in, in Empire. Oh, the Adats. Yeah. Oh, uh, or ATATs, whatever people want to say. Um, I don't know. I thought those were the. I thought those were in miniature, oh. and they were moved in miniature. I don't know if there's... I don't but know. certainly possible. Maybe they are stop motion. Regardless, even though Terminator came after them, you're still dealing with a very low-budget film. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is yeah. why you get shot. You don't get full-body shots of the Terminator. It's only in pieces as yeah. it's walking. Yeah. Either dragging its leg or from behind half, three, uh, half shot uh, or the head, right? Or the arms. You don't necessarily see the whole body the whole time. Which I guess is why they added the limp. Right? Yeah. Because they could make the, the, the full one. Yes. Look, look, make it look a little more believable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the limp's a great touch. Yeah. So they run into a factory. As they go in, Kyle starts turning on the switches for everything to help distract the Terminator mm-hmm. um, to confuse him. Um, and uh, Kyle falls and can't get, can't get up. She's screaming at him tries to move him the terminator is coming and then there's this great moment and this is where you see the hero sarah connor yeah on your feet soldier on your feet that's a great moment we didn't know there's a sequel coming right seven years later we didn't know that this would be something that would echo into the sequel. Right. Seeing it now in retrospect, it's really powerful how that moment is because it lays the groundwork for what you're going to see Linda Hamilton become in the second movie. Well, and it's something we talked about in Aliens is that through much of Cameron's career, he was interested in strong women and heroic women where most of Hollywood was not. Yeah. Yeah. He's made certain comments recently that maybe <laughs> you just kind of wish, like, dude, you were good. Yeah. yeah. Stupid left-handed compliments. Yeah. yeah. Because he, in, he basically in, insinuated that Linda Hamilton was not attractive. Fucker, you married her. Right. Yeah, it's just, it just was such a dumb... I'm sorry, I'm cussing through this whole podcast. You can edit this all out if you'd like. <laughs> I've never edited out the swear words, although there are people I know we have certain Patreon... Yeah. Or certain uh, fans who really wish we didn't swear. I'm so sorry to the yeah. Patreon fans. I apologize. It's a passionate movie. It's an R-rated movie. We can't talk about it with PG mouths. <laughs> I feel like it's not right. I think that's true. Yeah. I don't know how Siskel and Ebert did it. Because um, <laughs> um, they were paid not to do it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, if someone wants to pay us a lot of money, yeah. we will stop swearing. <laughs> and Patreon money doesn't count. Until then, <laughs> fuck it. Whoa! Um, okay. Um, so, uh, where were we? Oh, Kyle grabs a steel pole, yeah. like a good-looking steel pole, and he sends Sarah in the sort of go-on-without-me, and he starts, and that Terminator comes up the stairs after him, and he starts banging away at the Terminator's head. Yeah, uh, I like this moment, and he pulls out the last of the bombs and sticks it in the skeleton and blows him up. Yeah. And, and it was funny, what, what I, I, I think I realize now about the movie, both with the really everything Kyle's done, but particularly the, the bomb in the tailpipe and this moment is that we know that he cannot kill the Terminator because he is not the hero. Yeah. Because she is the hero. And I think that's an amazing thing is that throughout this movie, he, we have thought of him as the hero. He's the hero coming to rescue the princess. No, that is not what this movie is. Yeah. This is about the, 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 the queen learning to rescue herself. Yeah. Because he hurts the Terminator, wipes out his you know legs, but it is still not dead. 
Yeah. And now we have, and in that explosion, Sarah's been wounded too. She's got some metal thing sticking in her leg, which she's got to pull out. And she thinks she sees Kyle and that he's dead. And then the Terminator comes at her yeah. again. Yeah. And crawls over Kyle's lifeless body. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Keeps coming after her and she crawls into this machine through this very narrow space and it keeps reaching for her legs. She's barely getting away. She gets out the other side. It's reaching out towards her. It almost has her ha its hand around her neck and she gets her hand to the button and says... You're terminated, terminated fucker. And <laughs> <laughs> turns on like the the press. Yeah, yeah. Which which they had laid the groundwork for just a few seconds, yeah. yeah, or just maybe a minute earlier with her accidentally turning it on, which which indicated to the Terminator where they were. And yeah, and right. as it gets crushed, we start to see that lightning yeah. that we saw at the beginning, and we see that's so important, and it becomes important for all the movies that red eye slowly go out. Yeah. And now we know it's over. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love there's a little moment when she pulls his arm off of her neck. Just the way that she does it is, yeah. really, is really nice. Yeah. Uh, and then we have some aftermath. They're zipping up Reese's body into a body bag. They're putting her into a gurney. Um, and what was interesting that I found out, did, uh, I watched some of the deleted scenes. Mm -hmm. The deleted scenes, have you seen these? I've seen some of them. In the deleted scenes, there's whole conversations with her and Kyle about Cyberdyne systems and let's go to their factory and sabotage it so that we can stop this war from ever happening. And this is wow. the factory that they're at right now is Cyberdyne, which I think they, we deal with oh, in Terminator 2. That's the plot of the second one. Yeah. Right. Well, he already knew it. He had already, that was going to oh, be part of the movie. Interesting. And they cut it out. Wow. Yeah. There, I don't know if it's the same scene where he introduces the line, there's no fate but what, what we make. And then that comes back uh, in the second movie as well. Yeah. Wow. Um, so then we're sometime later. We're driving off in a deserted highway in the middle of Mexico. Mm -hmm. She has a headband on. Yes. Um, <laughs> she's pregnant. Yeah. And she stops at a gas station and is recording a message to her son. She's yeah. got a gun in her lap. She's got a dog in the back of her Jeep. Mm -hmm. And she records a message to her son. Uh, and this is what you were talking about earlier, yeah. you know, in terms of well, what does she tell him? Like all she knows, she knows that he knows, yeah. but she does like, do I tell you about your father? And this is the thing is I, I think when I saw it in 1984, I did not guess until she said, should I tell you about your father? And we saw that she's pregnant. Yeah. And then I went, Oh my God. <laughs> Of course, seeing it now, you know, you know, you know it the whole time. But the yeah. the that's a great little twist at the end. I wish they wouldn't have included this scene. I get why they did it, but the voiceover is so close to what Harrison's voiceover is, is in Blade in the original Blade Runner. It kind of undercuts this powerful movie that we've just watched because we get her going. I don't know what I'm going to tell you about your father. I guess you should have done. I guess we don't get a really strong. Uh, performance from Linda in the voiceover, in my opinion, I don't. I sense the care and affection, and the kind right. of still trying to figure out what her mission is supposed to be in this world. But I wanted something a little, a little more confident, a little more settled, and I got a little more lifetimey, and as opposed mm. to a little more. So even the way the thing it ends like a TV movie, it ends like a t with this, uh, the credits in the middle of the anyway. But anyway, I'm just saying it just yeah. it was a weird kind of ending for me. Um, yeah, I never felt that way, and I yeah. and I, I I always liked it, and I like the kid that takes the yeah. photograph. Yeah, and of course we see that that's the photograph. This is the moment that Kyle looked at. 
Yeah. You know, for while well, he was creepy future stalker boy. Right. Um, well, we end with her, her, the kid saying there's a, oh, there's a storm, storm coming. coming. Mm-hmm. And she, he, the, the old guy translated, translated it for her and she yeah. goes, I know. That's yeah. just so good. That's yeah. a good line. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then we end with that. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. And the great Terminator theme. So the movie comes out, and this is a low-budget movie, and it's a huge hit. Yeah. I think it was number one for the for two weeks and made back all its money in the first weekend. Wow. But where it really becomes a big hit is on VHS. Mm. I think this definitely, you know, they realize, like, who are the people that are going to go rent movies all the time? Right. And it is, you know, us 15-year-old film geeks. <laughs> that's right. That's right. You know? And that's why seven years later we get uh, T2. Yeah. And I think we're going to reconvene to discuss Terminator 2 at a later date. Yeah. Um, but this is definitely a movie that spawns tons of sequels. Not tons. It's it's uh, four sequels? Uh, well, yeah. Four sequels. But yeah. they're making and, a sixth one. And, and the sixth one is supposed to be happening. And yeah. in my opinion, only two of them are good. Yeah. And that's like, it's weird to me. Like, why, why is this so hard to figure out? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I only saw the sequels. I only saw them once. I, I saw the the three and four I saw in the theater, and mm-hmm. the last one I just watched on Netflix or something. Right. And I have very little memory of them. Genesis? You saw Genesis on Netflix or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I liked three. I will defend three. I think Nick Stahl and Claire Danes were fine in Rise right. of the Machine. I thought Christiana Locken is great as a... As a Terminator, uh, I thought she did like that bathroom fight with her and Arnold is a really mm, well done I fight. That, yeah, uh, and so I enjoyed that aspect of it all, and it would make sense for John to have a girlfriend like his mom. It just made sense to me, you know, like a softer edge, but also able to be hard when she needs to be. Unfortunately, it didn't quite a hundred percent capture because it's kind of a low budget sequel. It doesn't a hundred percent capture the magic of the first one or the second one. Yeah. And then they really started pumping money into it for the fourth and the fifth one. And unfortunately neither one of those have been good. I agree with you about Terminator three. Like there are, there are really great aspects to that film. Yeah. Like, like I think where Terminator one and Terminator two do really well is they take moments to breathe. Right. And that's something that Terminator three does not do. Yeah. It is sure, a it's chase relentless. from beginning to end. You're right. And I think it has probably one of the best endings oh, yeah. um, of, so of the entire remember. franchise. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's really good. I mean, I won't, I won't spoil it for you. Yeah, I guess. It's, it's like twenty years old. You can spoil it. What year did it come out? It's like it's like ninety, late nineties, two thousand. Yeah, like I want to say two thousand two yeah. or two thousand three. Okay. But Claire Danes's father, who has something to do with Skynet or oh, NORAD, I'm starting to. He, he basically puts them in a plane. They they get rid of both of the Terminators, Schwarzenegger and uh, Loken. Yeah, Loken. Christiana Loken. Um, yeah. And they escape on a Cessna, and they get to some bunker, like some sort of right. doomsday bunker. And he's like, "This is where you can stop. This is where you can stop Judgment Day, essentially." Yeah. And they can't. Like the nuclear right. war starts, it's, but yeah. they are safe. Yeah, yeah. So that, there's great aspects to it. There's some great ideas. The fact that the the Arnold that Terminator in Terminator Three is the Terminator that kills John Connor in the future. Yeah. I mean, there's so many great ideas right. that just weren't fully fleshed out by terminator 4 salvation that's when it starts to the train really starts to go off yeah. the tracks yeah um so 
Uh, John, what are your final thoughts on The Terminator? Oh, uh, my final thoughts. This is one of these classic uh, sci-fi films that is dystopian in nature, but leaves you with hope, with possibility that, that I really enjoy revisiting. And it is a deceptively better film than you think it is. And there's a lot more tackled here. There's a lot more subjects that are broached and you that than, than you would normally see in a sci-fi film. And I also think you see the beginnings of James Cameron as a master filmmaker. You see patterns that you're going to see repeated on grander scales and with more depth as he progresses uh, as a filmmaker. But this, at this time, to be this young, to make a film this still resonant in 2017, so much so they're still making they're making a sixth movie of it in this in the franchise, tells you something really powerful about this first film. I put it on par with the first Alien in terms of generating a franchise that sure. constantly gives back because that first one is so beloved. You know, I know people love Aliens, but Alien is so beloved as well. Terminator is loved. People love Terminator 2 like crazy, but Terminator is still beloved because it does an incredible amount of work on such a limited budget. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I absolutely recommend it. Again, it is a product of its time. You're going to have some 80s awesomeness. Um, but, <laughs> but this is a film that... Uh, shaped who I became as a person and as a performer. So this yeah. is, I mean, like, and we'll talk about it more when we talk about Terminator 2, but, I mean, this is this is a really, really great movie. And like John said, you know, give it a chance. Like, it, it holds up a lot better than you think it does. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me, like, I, I have such a soft spot in my heart because I watched it so much when I was young. And watching it this time, I make an odd comparison, which is, this isn't Cameron's first movie. It's his, I think it's his second. Right. he did, like, Piranha 2 or something. Yeah. Which I've never seen. But um, <laughs> but to me, like, in a weird way, I kind of put this, like, with Reservoir Dogs, which is, like, this is a small sure, movie sure. that with a, a person who is going to become, as you say, a master filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And you could see those James Cameron-isms all here they're all kind of gestating in this small incubator of a film and there's so much great attention to detail and one of the other things that inspired him was outer limits and twilight zone oh yeah and there's definitely that this is a very compact kind of perfectly um constructed science fiction uh package with a great twist in the end where everything kind of makes you go oh yeah that's cool and it has Really great performances from from um, from Linda Hamilton and from Michael Bean, and then the emergence of Arnold. And I think in in some ways, like Conan, you know, Pumping Iron is the announcement of this creature. Yeah, Conan is the arrival, but this is the ascendance. Yeah. You know, this is where where you go, like, oh my god, no, this guy's for real. Yeah, because his performance in Terminator is off the charts. Agreed. Yeah, so that's what we think of The Terminator. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. You can uh, uh, reach us on our Facebook page at The Cinephiles. That's C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher, on iTunes, on YouTube. You could go to Google Play. You could probably find other ways to subscribe to us. You can listen to our show on our website at cinephiles-.net. That's C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S.net. And while you're there, you can purchase every single movie we've ever reviewed through our website. And we'd love you if you do it because we get 17 cents or something off of oh. every person that buys a movie and we really need the money. We need, um, we need gumballs. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I've already told you how you can give us money on our Patreon page, so I'm not going to say that again. I will say that I'd love you to leave 
comments on YouTube and reviews on iTunes. The reviews on iTunes are really, really important in terms of people finding our show. And if you want to find me, well, you can find me on Twitter at SR Morris. John, where can they reach you? You can always find me at The Roca Says on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, yeah, everything I do is on there. So just follow me there and you'll get any information you need. And Shannon, is there a way for people to follow you? There is at Twitter. Um, you can follow me at, at Shannon underscore McClung. And uh, if you would go onto my Facebook fan page, which is oh, Facebook.com. I'm sorry. Jesus. No, Shannon McClung fan page. My oh. reps would be so thrilled yeah. if you would go on and there. And his like wife. It. And his wife who created it. She's the one who said it. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> Shannon, it's been so great having you on the show. We've been talking yeah. about it for a long Thank time. You, it's Shannon. been so much fun. Thank you all so much. I listen to, I, I think I've listened to every single Cinephiles episode. I know wow. when I've run out, when the, when the previews start playing. <laughs> <laughs> you mean but you don't love the previews? I love the previews. <laughs> I would just prefer the episode <laughs> he's not I, there are so many times i've come into the car and either he's either staged this or it's true where he is mid listening to an episode of cinephiles and it's always a, a like a, just a just an honor a blessing i it feel really humbled does. by it, it that it a feel, friend of ours is listening yeah, so it's something it's very special to have a friend who's yeah. actually a fan of what we're doing yeah that's really really nice i enjoy it immensely thank you all very much well thank there you we very go. much for coming on the show <laughs> and that's it for this week we will see you next time on the cinephiles <laughs>